Have you heard about this rash of super yacht sinkings? No. Ah, they, uh, they think it was killer whales. Huh. I wonder how they orchestrated that. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Magnetdale. And I'm not Jane Eris Magnetdale. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers. It's a podcast where two queer trans women, that's us, or wifey types, have a bit of a catch-up about media we've consumed in the week and do some silly voices and skits and generally just have a bit of a silly catch-up together. How are you doing? I'm alright, I'm a sleepy bean. I've got a bit of sunburn, but also today I'm cold and it's damp. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're in that period of the year where you know summer seemed like it had happened in the uk and then it decided oh, no we've given up on that this is english weather you can't predict us who do you think you are right you know go from from sun nice we had a nice weekend out in the sun you know sunburn explained Ooh, that way summer, yeah. and now it looks like it's the dead of winter again and the bit of my brain that gets tired when the sun's not out is mm-hmm. like Mm-hmm. Completely mm-hmm. forgotten summer ever happened. It is very squishy out. It's it's just very grey. Oh, it's raining again. It is. It keeps doing that. Yeah. Well, you know what else keeps happening? Us playing things. Tell us about a thing you played. Ah, uh, what have I played this week? Let's have a look. Um, should we start with the thing we played together the other night for maybe an hour at the at the top end of what we might have spent on it? Oh. So, it's more than it deserves, let's be so honest. So we gave a bit of a try to Everybody 1-2-Switch. The sequel to Nintendo Switch launch title, 1-2-Switch. Now, you might be forgiven for not knowing that this game came out. This is a Nintendo-published first-party game that didn't appear in the most recent Nintendo Direct. Um, a de- 24 hours after release had zero critic reviews. Mm-hmm. Um wonder what's going on there. So there's a bit of backstory to this game. Tell us, tell us. Yeah, so the short version is like two and a half years ago, we got a leak about this game existing. The name of it, all, all the details. Um, and the deal was Nintendo had developed this sequel to 1-2-Switch, their sort of silly uh, mini-game collection that, like, you know, 1-2-Switch, there was some mini-games that were interesting for showing off how the tech worked, but there wasn't really any longevity to it. And they'd made this sequel, and they were focus testing it to, you know, get a sense of, like, whether it's any good. And this is, like, two and a half years ago, all of the focus testing came back like, this is kind of fucking shit, this is not up to Nintendo's uh, quality standards, it's not great. Um, I believe, if I remember right, like, Nintendo of America was like, please, at the very least, sell this as, like, a budget release, and Nintendo of Japan were like, no, it's great, full price, £60 release, yeah! And then it kind of went silent for a couple of years. Where it should have stayed. (laughs) Yeah, seemingly while Nintendo back and forth on what to do with this. And it eventually surfaces with a very... I'm going to say they they tried to visually market it in promotional material to make it seem like it was going to be a Jackbox type experience. Like a silly party game collection that you could play with your phone or your motion controls that had a person in a rubber horse head mascot you know, introducing all the games. And that and... does feel like the intent. Yes, but not the execution. Oh no. Because um before we even get into like describing how this is to play, the thing that is most weirdly tonally dissonant about it is they very clearly want this to be like a Jackbox game, that sort of 
silly, goofy, over-the-top uh, parody sort of sense of humour to it. You've got this mascot who's, like, wearing a suit, but he's got a silly rubber horse mask on. And this seems like it's perfectly queued up to be, like, your silly, like, you know... Oh, what's the Jackbox host's names? There's, um, well... There's Cookie Originally and... it was Jack Cake, yeah. um, and more recently it's mostly done by uh, Cookie. Yeah, it, it seemed like it was going to be one of those. And then he starts talking, I think you put it this way, he starts talking like a Nintendo Direct announcer. Like the translator for the Nintendo Direct. Yes, the very sort of, hello, I'm a very polite and soft-spoken voice that doesn't really do any emotion because I'm just sort of reading. I it might sound a little happy occasionally, but that's about it. It's such corporate presentation. Yes. And all of the mini-games have that same vibe of, you could have presented this in a silly way like, say, a Jackbox would, hmm? but you just didn't bother. And, like, the minigame I keep thinking of that I think is a really great example of this, one of the... So, you can either play this with, with motion control stuff, with, with Joy-Cons, or minigames that involve phones in some way. Mm. And one of the phone ones was... Um, go take a photo of something this colour to score points, depending on how close of a colour yeah. match you are. And if this had been like a Jackbox, it would have been, you know, oh, this is, this is, um, uh, colour, our colour stocks are going down because the, co the this colour in particular yep. isn't popular anymore. You've got to go take some paparazzi photos to, like, get them back yep. in the magazine so that, you know, the stock value for that colour goes and up. And the names of them wouldn't have been their official Pantone colours. Yeah. They'd have been like, um, uh, the questionable stain yeah. brown or something. Yeah, or like, des desperately needs this, please make me famous again, red. You yes. know, again, we've workshopped this for like 20 seconds here. <laughs> um, what they do is, hello and welcome to your first day at the magazine. We think some colours are going to be trending, so go and get some photos of the colours. That's great, you got photos of the colours. The magazine will be good now. Like, it's it's visually polished, but yes. there's so little effort made to give any personality. But the bit you haven't really got to yet is the the way everything is introduced. Oh, not just God. not yeah. just the like the the vocal choices or even the weird stock photos with a slight border around yeah. them of all the people, but just the like. Okay, here is a, a little fun <laughs> quote-unquote video of how the game is played. Yeah. Okay, now we've ended that, now we move into the next section. We're going to give you a proper tutorial, and we're going to make you, like, test the thing. So, let's say it's a thing where you've just got to, like, swipe your controller. Cool, okay, let's do a test of that. You'll do a swipe of your controller. Do you understand? Okay, press the button. Now, swipe the controller. And that's the other thing about this, the weird timing. Yes. But like, yes, so you've got the video of how to play the game, then you've got like a, a very in-depth tutorial, and then you've got like more... Um, they show you uh, how to do it one more time. You've got like one more how to do it, and then the thing almost inevitably is, okay, now do the thing. Go! It's like yeah, yes. So I'd already gone when you said yes. do the thing. Yes. So they teach. It, this definitely feels like a game that wants to be marketing itself to people, like households where some of your family members do not play video games and will need this really fucking drilled in. Yeah. But what that does in practice is every single mini game. You have three pretty slow phases of being shown what the game is. And these games are not complicated. Like, great example. The first one we did was inflate a balloon, don't overinflate it because then it'll pop. Make it the biggest without it popping. Yeah. Um, and you watch, 
two people on video moving the Joy-Con up and down to inflate a balloon, then you're shown, take the Joy-Con like this and move it up and down. Okay, practice time, hold the controller, yeah, you're doing it, it's registering. Go! And I guarantee those three, like, setups of teaching you the thing last longer than you doing the minigame. 100% every yeah. time. Yeah, every time. You spend longer being laboriously shown over and over and over again how to do the minigame. To do, like, it's like if WarioWare didn't just throw you into minigames and go, ah, it's sensible enough, you'll work out. Do the action that, like, would make sense for this. What if WarioWare had a 45-second tutorial for every micro game? Yeah, but it showed it to you three times. Yeah, but also, everybody, one, two... I'm going to punch this off. Switch! Yeah, I can't bear to hear him say that anymore. And worse than that, it's not even a proper rubber rubber horse mask. Like, um, <laughs> is it Buckets the Horse that plays plays um, a bucket in the shower on TikTok? I have no idea what you're talking about. The person who plays the person who I know who nothing about the, a person wearing a horse mask. You don't. No. So there is there is a person. <laughs> uh, I think it's I think they're called Buckets the Drama. Um, and it is a person in a rubber horse mask and jeans usually, and they sit on a bucket in a shower. And I have another bucket upside down, and they play the drums with it. Again, I have no idea of this. Really? I could have sworn I'd shown you some of this no, stuff. No, um, <laughs> it's And the thing about those rubber horse masks is, because there is a human face inside, if they move too quickly to either side, yeah. they sort of flop a bit. But, but this, this doesn't do that. No. Not only that, but occasionally it winks or smiles. Yeah, it does things that a rubber horse mask shouldn't be able to do, and that raises questions about the reality of Horace the Weird Horseman. And I'm not ready for the existential dread that comes from that's not a rubber mask, that's his actual face. Oh god. Um so yeah, uh the the Joy-Con mode, what minigames did we play? There was um, inflate the thing. Inflate the balloon. There was um, prey to a UFO. Oh yeah, which, uh, which again, you managed to get just fine, and apparently <laughs> I was getting the timing wrong, but it wouldn't tell me how I was getting yeah. the timing wrong, like so, in which direction. So to explain what the mini game is, um, you take your Joy-Con and you raise it up and bring it down in rhythm with a, a bit of sound yes. effect that's happening, almost like you've got prayer hands, but yeah. you're holding a or, or holding a candle. And eventually, after doing this for like maybe 60 seconds if you're doing it successfully, an alien comes and does the same gesture at you. Yes. Um, but yes, this game does not tell you if you are doing motion actions too early or too late. It just tells you you're doing them wrong. Yes. And that is frustrating as fuck. It is. It got to a point where um, you had got your alien, to, uh, your UFO to sort of come to beam the light down and to drop the alien and to have the alien drop yeah. walk fully towards you. And I was like having the the UFO like bounce back and forth between distant and near and distant and near. And then I just about managed to get enough of it going correctly to like pull the beam of light down. Then I got the alien down and sort of towards me and then away. And then the alien went back up and then the, the UFO started to sort of bounce back and it's... forward a bit again. Because... It was going on so long that I was sort of getting tired of doing the action anyway. Yes. Bear in mind, it was the day after I got yeah. sunburn anyway. And it was already quite late in the day when we were like, let's do the thing. Yeah. Um, and then, like, I just I just stopped. I was like, I can't win this, first of all. I don't know how much long, longer it's going on for. Like, <laughs> Laura seems to be doing it well, and it's still taking fucking forever. Yeah. And I just was like, I, I don't care. I'm just going to stop doing the action. Uh, so other minigames included, 
Uh, and this is, I think, the best example of the discrepancy between how long the minigame took and how long it took to teach was a samurai battle. You uh-huh. stand facing each other with your hand on your hip as if you're holding your sword, and when the sound effect plays, you do the slash as if you're trying to be the samurai slashing the other one. Being the and first samurai. It, it's literally like the game itself lasts for like three or four seconds. Yep. Um, and also... It was nearly a minute yeah. and a half of tutorials. And it's, it's a great example as well of like the lack of effort put into this, because you would expect like, you know, you do your slash and then maybe on the screen... A dramatic, like, the two samurai sl- uh, dash past each other yeah. and stand dramatically and you don't know which one won. And then one and you of could them have done, like, a big slowdown, like, just as they're passing each other yeah. to, like, give the impression yeah. of... Yeah, which, in it, like, all these ways that you could have made that a, like, yeah. fun bit of dramaticism... No, ju- no it's just one person is now crumpled on the floor, rocking back and forward a little bit. Yeah. In three frames of animation. <laughs> yeah. Um... There was... I'm trying to remember if there were any other in the Joy-Con only section that we did at first. I mean, the the um, ninja. ninja one wasn't in the Joy-Con only one. That was when... No, well, no, there was... The Samurais was in the Joy-Con section, and the Ninjas, which was oh, different, yes. was My in apologies. the mobile phone They're one. They're basically was... the same, and even though, like, it says, Oh, with, mo- with mobile phones, you can have up to 100 people. Well, you couldn't because you'd have the whole thing about that um, ninja thing is it tells you that you need to go yeah. go from your phone that it's told you you're using as your controller to a Joy-Con. Yeah, I don't know how that bit works, but yeah. So the other side of this is there is a smartphone controlled mode, and first of all, you can upload any photo you like to be your. I did. Um, I put my tits up there. It did. Uh, and then when the little hand was doing its thing, that was. It looked like it was grabbing my teeth. It did look like it was grabbing your teeth. And when I made when I made my character cry because I lost, it looked like I um, <laughs> was yeah. slightly moist. Um. <laughs> so yes. Um. A lot of the mini games are just like the fucking same. Oh, I forgot one of the Joy-Con ones. Um, you hide the Joy-Con somewhere and oh, yes, you make it vibrate and, and you hear the sound and Which you go Which I believe it. is just a function of the, the Switch anyway. Yeah, like, you could make it vibrate in different way, like, you know, different patterns, but yes. there was one that was like, vibrate loud and hard, which was the only <laughs> obvious way to do it. Um, but also you have to have your HD rumble on at seemingly at full as well. Yes. Which meant that Unless you'd hidden it, like, between multiple cushions I mean, even when in you a had, cushion factory. it was pretty easy to... Yeah. yeah. I hid it, hid it rolled up in a rug, and yeah. you were still like, buzz, buzz, okay, cool. Somewhere around here. Yep, got it. Yep. You managed to find it in nine seconds. Yes. Um, But yes, back to the phone one, a lot of the mini games are, like, very similar. There is a quiz that is the most confusingly laid out quiz in the world for such a simple fucking quiz. It is a mm. quiz where every question ha- uh, you, is either you, you either put true it's or false. It's a binary choice. It's a binary choice. It's true or false. But th- you would think if it was like, okay, the sensible way this would have been done is like a triangle has how many sides? And then it puts up an answer, three, and you'd click true or false. Yep. But that's not how it does it. it that goes, is how it does it. Well, no, because there's that one where it's like it shows you two answers on a true or false question and then shows you one of the two answers. You remember when it did that, where it was like, which of these is closer? Yeah, which of these is closer to your uh, your eyeballs, your eyebrows, or your eyelashes? Yes. True or false? And we were going, what the fuck is that? And then it put one of the two on screen. It gave a couple of seconds, and then yeah. said the thing, and then we both got it wrong because yeah. we've just been so baffled yeah. by the question. Because our brain was <laughs> trying to process this answer has this question has two answers. <laughs> 
with a true or false, and we couldn't work out what it was doing. Why didn't you just true or false? Yeah. Why didn't you just this is this and, and that is it's that? A, it's not a quiz because like the questions are so fucking easy. They're literally like how many sides on a fucking triangle. But they've the thing is phrased in a way where sometimes basic questions your brain goes how how do I true or false this? Yeah, it's weird. But also it's so short that it's not like you can ever get into a rhythm of it. Yes. Um. There was the one we talked about about taking photos of colours. Yep. Um, which, which didn't really help that we were playing in a very dark room. Yeah, it also feels like that game should have a rule where, like, you can't just photograph the colour on on the TV screen. Yeah, because like, you did and got 94% accuracy. Yeah, it's like, sh- show us the colour, then take the colour away, then tell us to photograph the colour we just saw. Right. right. Um, and there was the Ninja Stars one, which is different from the Samurai one. Yes. Where one person on their phone is sliding their finger to throw ninja stars, and the other person is s- slashing the Joy-Con to... When they hear the sound yeah, of to, the ninja stars. Yeah, to the ninja stars. Yes. It's all painfully uninspired. But, I mean, th- at that point we have to talk about all the issues I had with the oh. app full... St- with, with the website full stop. Yes. Firstly, there was... Um, the first time I tried to log into the website using the QR code that it insisted that we use rather than just giving us a fucking... Yeah. There's no Jackbox web- Top TV here. Right? There's no, here's your room code, go find the thing. Yeah. The first time it just showed me a grey screen. I had to refresh it twice before it even yeah. gave me the actual fucking login. Yeah. Then when we were doing the Ninja Stars one, it took so long to get through the um, uh, the the instructions for it that when... On the like second or third round, it I it came to me my turn to throw ninja stars and it just said times up. We we were having so I refreshed my page. I had it came back up just in time for me to. Th- it was like the TV was shouting at me that I wasn't you know moving fast enough. By the time it refreshed, I had I threw two stars out of my possible five. It then told me time was up again. Then took a few more seconds. Then the TV caught up, and it was like, "Nah, yay, well done, something." You know what? The thing that was most fucking frustrating in that moment was we were having such a bad time with it that we'd realised, like, oh, the last mini game was a draw. This one would be worth two points. Jane, if you win this one, we're free. (laughs) If you throw this one, if if I just don't deflect any of your ninja stars, if you just throw one ninja star. We're done, and it would the game, the phone wouldn't load, and it wouldn't let you no. throw your ninja stars. I think it hurt us. So we went to a draw. The game was like, no, 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 you don't get out this fucking easy. Right. But like, the thing is, visually, it has that Nintendo level of they like polished it up visually. Like they clearly tried to make like aesthetically give it that Nintendo layer of polish. But they've polished something completely devoid of any... A turd. They've polished a turd. They've... I get the phrase polish a turd. I feel like there's more nuance here in that they've polished something soulless. They've polished a mannequin. They've polished stock photography. They've, they've polished a mannequin in that they've taken something that is devoid of life and tried to dress it up and there's just nothing going on. It's just not fun. It is just not... Like, we enjoy a silly party game that will occasionally involve, like, motion minigames and whatever. We can enjoy a WarioWare or a yeah, Mario Party. This ain't it. Mm-hmm. Um, has everybody won to Switch? Um, that is. Don't recommend it. Yeah. What about you? What you played this week? 
Um, I've been playing some some of those some of those um hidden object games. Yeah, yeah. Realised I hadn't played one in yeah. ages and had a, had a weird craving. They used to be like occasionally they'd pop up on fucking as Facebook games. You remember when Facebook had games? Yeah, you, not you just adverts. Find the hidden objects and somehow that will progress the story, kind of. Yeah. Um, so I was like, there must be some around. Yeah. Found an article that was like, here are some of the best ones. Uh, so I picked up the uh, Enigmatis trilogy Ooh. in the uh, Steam Summer Sale because they're like. I think the whole, the whole, all three of them is like under a fiver at the moment. Um, so just as well, I found that article a few days ago and then saved one of them, hoping that they come on sale at some point. Mm. Um, basically, it, it, it feels a lot more plot than I was expecting. I don't think I've ever played a paid for hidden object game before. <laughs> I've only played like Facebook games. You've got enough energy to do one more hunt today. Ooh, Ooh. Better do good. Um, so yeah, it's, you are a detective who's gone to uh, this town. Um, there are there is a missing person. There have been a rash of missing persons in this town, and there is some concern. And you basically find yourself in town. Your car is um, like rammed into something. So at some point, maybe you crashed. Mm. You don't really know. Uh, you seem to have lost a lot of your memories. A lot of your, um, like, relevant case notes. Mm. And basically just about everything. So it's it's a, a lot of solving, like, basic puzzle stuff. Like, how will you get from here to here? How will you get this thing down off a telegraph pole? How will you uh, access this particular area? And occasionally interspersed with hidden object puzzles. It feels like there's less hidden object puzzles than I would have expected for something that is flagged as... Here is a hidden object game. Mm. Um, but the story's alright. Quite interesting. There is a uh, preacher who seems to have some sort of weird uh, uncanny control over the entire town. Like people's eyes fucking glow and they all disappear mm. off to the church when, they, uh, when the bell is rung. And it make, makes people's heads feel a bit weird. Um, and yeah, there's a whole mystery about are you going to find the missing person before it's too late? Um, enjoyed the graphics, enjoyed that. It was fine. I liked the fact that when I got to the end of the the main game, uh, because of the the version it was, it meant that there was like a whole bonus chapter where you play as a different character, and because that character arrived in town before the detective that you'd been playing previously, you there were a few puzzles that were solved by doing things that was like, ah shit, that's the thing that I'm actually going to need... Like, at one point, there is, a, like, a, a weird box that's got a, a piece of wire in it. It's like, I could use the wire to pick a lock. But the wire's trapped in the box. I have this knife that seems vaguely familiar. I will put it into that box that is very familiar to jack it open and get the wire. But not jack it open completely, just enough to trap the knife. Which is the same knife that you need to get out of there in the main campaign. It's like, mm. ah, that was quite cool. I like that little callback. Um, or call forward, who knows. Um, yeah, enjoyed that particular bit of the plot as well. It added a bit more to the story. Played through the second one. It's got a slightly more supernatural bent. It's, uh, yeah, it's very dark and very weird. It's, uh, starts with, uh, main character is sort of still on the hunt for the, the priest who escaped at the end of the first one. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
comes across this uh, camp, like uh, like a uh, like an RV, mm. and there's a kid hiding in there who's like, my parents have been taken away by a big monster. And you're like, there's no such thing as monsters, and this giant fucking ghost raven just comes out of the sky okay. and just fucks you up. And then you're going on this adventure through this weird closed-down roadside attraction hmm. that either has never existed or may exist or is entirely hal- like hallucinogen-based. Um, but the raven is almost certainly real, but also there's like, loads of other weird shit. Um, and there's a uh, an aging hippie who seems to be being mind-controlled in some way, and maybe it's connected with the priest. Uh, it's fast. The story of that one is even more wild, much more fascinating. The puzzles get a little bit more complicated. Like, even the hidden object stuff, it's like, okay, you got to find some things, but one of the descriptions, if the description's in purple, for example, it means that you're going to have to do some extra steps rather than just find the thing, click the thing. Okay. It might be like, you need to find some powder, uh, powdered crystal. It's in purple, so it's like, okay, I found a crystal, I found a pestle and mortar, mortar, I put the crystal in the pestle and mortar, I use the pestle and mortar, now I pick up the powdered crystal, okay. ta-da! It's like, cool, that was like a nice little thing of making it a bit more complicated. There's a few other, like, random puzzles of your sort of, like, seventh guest, eleventh hour type. Mm. Find a thing, put the things together, and then, like, rearrange the books on a shelf, or, or rearrange, or open a safe using this weird code and um s- stuff like that it's it's good puzzle stuff and you know me i love a puzzle game mm. um the plot for that gets even wilder i'm about to start the third one and i have no idea where the fuck they're going to go from here possibly there will be the resurrection of a dark god who can say uh, okay. yeah that's, that's some things i played that's the enigmatis trilogy uh what about you what have you played uh, the only other thing I've really played, other than ticking away at the Binding of Isaac, which I finally realised there's a way to, like, check easily which endings I have and have not unlocked. Ooh. And there's only one ending other than the final ending I haven't done. Oh, shit. And it is uh, it involves unlocking greedier mode. I have Ooh. greed mode, but not greedier mode. Right. And I now understand the mechanics of how I unlock that and why I've been having trouble unlocking it. Right. Uh, but the other thing I played this week is a demo for Viewfinder. Ooh. Um, which is coming out, like, I think it comes out this month, the actual yes. finished game. But this is that puzzle game about taking photos and then placing the photos in, in, uh, in 3D space. And when you sort of place the photo in space, it becomes three-dimensional it you hold a 2d object so that the perspective is where you want the 3d object to be go there and now it's a 3d space you can walk into yeah i don't know how better to describe it it's a weird thing to try and explain um imagine that you are in a box you have a photograph of a window or a door if you hold it up just right the door will appear and yeah. you can step through the door a good example there is a there is a fence that i'm trying to get to the other side of uh, but I can't climb over, it's too tall and there's no door in it. I go take a photo of just, like, um... The sky? The sky. And I put it there, and now there's a gap. Because the yeah. the, the, the thing that was previously there isn't there anymore, and I can just walk straight through. Um, the demo does a really good job of making it clear that this mechanic works very well and feels very intuitive in practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the demo goes through, like, 
here is a little intro section where you are finding already existent photos and using them to uh -huh. do various things. Like, uh, I need some batteries to power this. There is a battery over there, but there's also a photo of the same room that had the battery in. So I'll place that, that photo, go into the room, and get the, the battery from the photo, and put that battery down as well. Uh. Um, things like that. And then eventually you get the camera yourself, you can take your own photos. Okay, so um, it's like the portal training, like the beginning of portal. Yeah. Like, here is how to use the portal, we're going to show you how to do that. Yeah. Now we're going it's, to give you your own it's portal It's very much gun. that... We're going to let you walk through portals before we give you the portal gun to make your own portals. Cool. You understand how to walk through uh -huh. them? Here's your own portal gun. Go nuts. Yeah. Um, and it, it has that same rhythm to how mm. it teaches its mechanics. It's a great way to teach. Yeah. It it works really well. Um, I'm already fucking fascinated by speedruns <laughs> for this game. Um, I, I watched a speedrun for this demo that took, uh, I think, something like three minutes. Um, and the main thing... How long did the... the the demo take you out oh, of like 20 minutes okay um so the main things i was seeing people doing is like okay i have a photo and in the photo is that battery i need rather than place that room the, the you know the room with the, of the photo in front of me and walk in and go get the battery and walk out i'll hold the photo up to the ceiling and place it there and so that gravity makes the battery just fall down gotcha or um rather than walk through rooms I will place a, a photo on the ground and, and then, then drop into, into it. it and let gravity... Because the room is now oriented so I can just drop at the speed of gravity mm -hmm. to the object, to the next photo and just drop down, drop down, drop down. Yeah. Like, people have worked out really interesting things about how the physics of this game work with ceiling or floor photos. And I'm fascinated by it. Out of interest, does it seem possible to entirely break the game? I imagine you probably could if you tried, but you'd have to go out of your way to do it. Okay, so the, you're not likely to just accidentally put too many photos down in an area and go, I'm just completely stuck now? No, not unless you're like, I'm going to take a photo of the empty sky and I'm going to systematically get rid of every single bit of floor using photos of the sky to make the floor. Right. So there's no longer any floor for me to photograph to make new floor to get myself back where I was going. Like, and let, like, if you're not doing that, you're probably fine. Okay. It seems like if you, if you softlock yourself, it's probably on you. Oh. Um, but yeah, short demo very much has me like, this, this is going to be something real special and I'm very excited for it to come out. Oh. What about you? You played anything else this week? We played some things together. We did. We're going to talk about Root again. It's yeah. that game we've talked about for about the last three weeks. Yeah, it's that war game, but about, you know, little woodland creatures. creatures. Uh, so we, we played a, a two-player game, proper two-player game, no yeah. no automa, uh, but we added the hirelings in, which are basically like mini-factions to sort of get in the way. Yeah. Or to be help. you could sort of have them have helpful abilities for you yeah. under your control. But I, I may, mainly meant to sort of add a little bit of a mix for, yeah. um, especially in low-player counts. The they are at their most the powerful in, in, yeah. in their two-player games. Uh, so basically the first person to hit 4, 8, and 12 points, or, or 12 points, gets to, at that point, pick one of the, the available of the three hirelings. Mm. Uh, they roll the dice, and they will get to... The the dice has some gold pips and some sort of red pips, I think they are. And whoever's got that, if you are acquiring the hirelings, and you have the highest point at that time, you roll the dice, and you only take the uh, little gold numbers. 
Hmm. Which means that you are always going to be getting less than usually just one or two. Hmm. But um, that means that you basically get like these little uh, contract tokens. And at the end of every round, after you've used them, apart from the one where you first acquire them, because you don't actually get to do anything with them that round, you're going to do a thing with them, whatever it, it says on the card. Um, and then you are going to, at the end of, at the end of every round thereafter, remove one of these contracts. Once you've run completely out of these contracts, you hand it to another player at the table. In two players, that means they're just going to bounce back and forward. Yeah. But if the person you were giving it to has a lower score than you, Mm. They get to roll the dice and take all of the pips, not just the gold ones. So they can have up to four contract points. Yeah, and it's a seems like a really good way for bouncing back to. Yeah, it, it's it's a rubber banding mechanic to make sure that the person in last place gets a little bit more time with the thing, even if they don't get the first stab at using mm. it to sort of catch them up a little. Yes. So you know, if you if someone is sort of seemingly like like just careering ahead then there is like a way that this is going to really um get in their way because the other thing is there's a lot uh with for example the keepers keepers in iron um they had basically all of the regular factions in roots have their own little hireling versions mm. and if you're playing with that a particular faction you can't play with the hireling version of them. Mm. But in the case of the Keepers in Iron, they, you might, you have to put down these little tokens in clearings where they are. And you also get to put down, uh, Keeper Warriors. And they can get in the way. They can do little fights, uh, as long as you have them in the same clearing as some of your opponents. But you have to be careful because if you set them up and then you're in those clearings mm. and then your contract runs out, all of a sudden they work for your opponent. So when they get a chance to attack now, it's like, okay, well, I guess I just fucked myself over by doing that. Mm. And it, it is a sort of careful balance of where do I put them that they're going to be helpful for just long enough and not too long and that that's not going to be a problem. Or alternatively, where can I put things that I can go and kill quickly and easily to acquire points. Mm. And and sort of just like have a have a good way of like getting just a cut a couple of extra points out of things. Mm. And it is like they are almost like mini automa factions, but with like two rules that you need to learn. Yeah. And the work of operating them split between whoever currently has control of them rather than one person running the automa. Yes. And I think that generally made for a smoother, quicker two-player experience mm. where both of us felt, uh, like, constantly engaged as opposed to, okay, I've had my go, you've had your go, okay, now it's the Automa, now it's the other Automa, now it's back to me, meaning that you're potentially sitting there for, like, five minutes going, la la la, I can look at TikTok while, we, <laughs> while, you, while you make game happen. <laughs> and that that's a nice idea. Like, and um, I... Especially at two-player, I think the hirelings are probably a better option than uh, the, the clockworks. But also, I do like the, the nitty-gritty of, of the clockwork factions. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you played the lizards again, and you won again. I did. So much for saying you, that they're you, the weaker well, faction. You... Uh, <laughs> So you were playing a faction whose whole thing is spread, spread, go, go, go. And like the little hint card for me playing as the lizards was like, hey, don't let Jane's faction be ag like, you've got to be aggressive and like 
go and battle Jane's faction and stop them spreading. And I'm like, cool. I'm playing as a faction that cannot choose to initiate battles on wi- at will. That's I'm in a bad position. Thankfully, you did not play terribly aggressively. Ah, uh, no. And I was Partly like, because you kept going, No, no, you're crushing and defeating <laughs> me. Oh no, I'm only small and innocent. No, I, despite, I, <laughs> I was like, oh no, no, I'll hold back. No, don't hold back. Come, <laughs> no, I kick my ass. Kick my ass. No, you do not kick, kick my ass. <laughs> I'm adorable. Kick my ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you cheeky scamp. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was that was Root with the Highlings. Enjoyed that very much. And then we played some Brass Birmingham because it's been a while. We did. We did. I was clearly a bit sleepy from the 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 the, the going out the day previous. Yeah, I fell asleep during the rules yep. video and then took a minute to go. Oh, what are we doing? How yep. do we do this? Yep. I got there. Yeah. We got through it. Had a, had a pretty close game. Had a, had a very close game. I think there was only like ten points in it. Um. You had Still a, got some of the rules wrong. You Get had there. a much better point scoring first half. I yes. overrode a lot of my point scoring things to try and be better prepared for the second half. Yes. But there's maybe ten points in it and would have been even closer if you hadn't built over my damn... Uh, was it Ironworks? Uh, Ironworks. Yeah. That was worth like seven seven points plus connections. Yep. Oh. Oh. Yeah. Um... So it was nice, but I like it. And you were already sleepy, so there was no way we were going to get a second game of the same thing in that. Oh, no. Second game of Brass Birmingham was not going to happen. But I have been looking into um, fan-made solo modes for Brass Birmingham recently. And there are a couple. Board Game Geek has has a few different variants. Um, There's one that will simulate for an entire campaign mode. Not entirely sure how that would work. Um, I need to look further into that. Um, but the one I played is called Eliza, mm. and it, it's re- it's better than some of the other ones I've looked at previously, which were, here is a custom set of cards that we need to print out in the style of, like, the uh, Viticulture Automa, mm. and this will, like, you'll shuffle these, and then you'll do, like, something based on a card or two cards together that you pull out, and that, that's, that's a fairly common way of doing Automa. This one is I, I quite like the idea of because you didn't have to print anything else at extra out for it. It just uses cards drawn from the deck and based on what you draw in on one side and what you draw on the other side, it will like run you through a flowchart of okay, if there if you pulled an industry on both cards, then mm. the automat is gonna sell everything they have, even if there isn't beer for it. Mm. They're just gonna get all of their possible flip points. They might not be able to sell anything for beer. Um, in the second round, they'll get five per- points per turn, no matter what else happens. So you need to kind of be on fucking top of it. And also, because it's sell action, sells everything from everywhere as long as it is connected, and it is possible to do, by the time everything is connected, it's basically like, okay, in that last round, it made 60 points. Hmm. Yeah, scared. And also, it's going to get five points. And also, it's going to add some extra rail connections, probably, and and probably be able to get extra points from that. It's like, oh no, things are getting kind of scary. It doesn't need connections to the coal market in order to do anything with coal. It just buys it or like removes the token, but it doesn't need cash. Mm. Uh, if the um, card on the 
uh, left is an industry, but the card on the right is a location. It will try and build in that location, and it will take you through a flowchart of, like, start with um, manufactured goods, then pottery, then cotton mills. Mm. And it's like, oh, that's con- deeply concerning. Um, but it's it's very cleverly done using the cards it already has. Um, I have never played a game where I have scored so high. Mm. It does help that you know exactly what turn you're going to be taking because you will always be taking the first turn in yeah. every round, which is quite nice. But also there is, you know, slight concern of... I managed to get the highest possible score I'd ever had, which was something like 197. Mm. Which is twice around the board, and I think we did what, like 120 each, 110, 120, 120 yeah. each on 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 the uh, on the for the game we played together. Yeah, so I got 197 and thought that was good. The Automa got something like 100, uh, sorry, 267. <whistles> I was like, okay, sure. That's that's a little bit concerning, but I yeah I had a good time with it, even if it is frankly terrifying. Yeah. Uh, well, what about you? Have you played anything else? Well, that's about it for me. Well then, <gasps> time for this. Place a bit, madam. Place a bit. Oh oh oh. Um. Okay. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. Place a bit. Join the bracket. Join the bracket. Where would you like to go? I mean, obviously we've got the first match up here. You know about the first match up. Oh, but I... next up, you you could you could put uh, put a fiver on Bezos. Yeah, well, see, I, you know, the Musk, Musk and um, and Zuckerberg is, you know, I, I put the money on, on, uh, on, on Zuckerberg. I think that Musk is is too arrogant. I think that he's, you know, going to underestimate Zuckerberg and go down in round one. Um, can I make like a bet on where, like, I think like the series of brackets is going to go? Very well, yes, go on. Because I, I think from there we've got the, um, we've got we've got Bezos and and Gates, and I think that Gates. Has built up too much of an image of being sort of interested in the environment, so he's, he's you know, he's not going to be as sort of used as Bezos is to, um, you know, sort of ah, everyone get to work, do, 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 go harder, faster. I think Bezos comes out of that on top, and then I think Bezos beats Zuckerberg because Bezos is just more used to being the public eye. He's going to be less less thrown by it, uh-huh, uh-huh. and then oh, it'd be a matchup against Warren. Buffett coming up next. What Warren Buffett I think is far too used to um, throwing money at the problem. I, I think he loses in that bracket, and then uh, Michael Bloomberg. Michael Bloomberg. I'm pretty sure he threatened to fight someone when he was on like when he wanted to become president when he was on the campaign trail. Scrappy, scrappy. Yeah, Adam. yeah. He's like he's from New York, right? Like he's probably ready for a fight. I I think. I think I you think, think a New Yorker can handle themselves. I I reckon so. I think that I think he at the very least I think he's got the overconfidence to think he could fend for himself. Okay, I'll give you odds of two to one. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Let's go for it. Let's go for it. This billionaire deathmatch coliseum is going to be wonderful. <laughs> We've done it. What, 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 we've done it. Indeed, we can look into the dreams. The dreams of snails. Goodness, this is a leap forward in science. Indeed. Uh, what, uh, wonderful. Have we, have we got any preliminary readings starting to come out of the, out of the machine? Yes, well, I mean, let's see here. We have, um, this snail is currently dreaming about a big leaf. Okay, that makes sense. Big yes, leaf. Yep. yes, yes, yes. Uh, this, this snail over here, this one, we call this one Jiminy. 
Oh, yes, yes. This one is dreaming about so. <laughs> I think it meant it. Snails bumping <laughs> together. <laughs> oh, I see. Yes, yes. Bumping beautifuls. Okay. Because Ooh. I think snails are beautiful. Uh, I mean, yes. uh, be- I think they're beautiful, not in the Indeed. same way that that snail's dreaming about. No, not in the weather. No, 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 no. Not romantically. I'm not some kind of weirdo. And there's one dreaming about having sex. On a le- on a big leaf. Oh well, I, I mean, suppose. That, again, why not combine the two? I indeed, think I think we've all thought about that sort of thing. Uh, I mean, I, f- not, I feel like not, the machine- not leaf necessarily, yeah. but you know. I mean, I feel like the machine's working perfectly yes, well. This absolutely. is all sort of lining up with expectations of stale yes. dreams. We do have to talk about Kenneth, though. What what about Kenneth? Well, as if you'll observe the screen over here, this is Kenneth's dream. I, are we? Are we are we sure that's calibrated correctly? Y- yes. Are, this we, are we certain? Is, yes. This are, we, is, are we absolutely certain? We have tried all of the different snails here in different machines to analyse each of their dreams. Kenneth really seems to have a thing for um, being stepped on by a large raven holding a salt shaker. Oh. Yes. Oh. Yes. Oh. Do you think people would buy this if we maybe put it on a DVD? Some fucker would be weird enough to buy it. Yes. You well, see BDSM, I, where the S stands for snail. I, I, I suppose. I think we've just found our funding. <laughs> so, <gasps> what have you put in your eyes? What have I put in my eyes? That's a that's a question. We put a thing in our eyes together. We did a couple of things. Uh, we went to the cinema. We went to the cinema. We went to the cinema. We had an opportunity to see a thing that we didn't have to think about too much. We're like, uh, what do what do we not care about seeing? But like, we could see if the opportunity's here. Uh, so we watched Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Yep. It's better than Crystal Skull. Not as bad as I anticipated. Had had fun with it. I like the bit where all the Nazis kept dying. A lot of bits of this film are bits where the Nazis die. I mean, although look, I did come out of the cinema going, I bet some dick on TikTok's going to be like, "When did Indiana Jones get woke?" <laughs> look, it 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 did what I needed out of an Indiana Jones film, which was kill Nazis. A lot of Nazis getting killed. The MacGuffin. Is a thing that I could believe, like believably think the Nazis would a be A thing into. of the past. A thing of the past that has relation to, like, you know, what are the categories that the Nazis were into? It was Christianity, magic, time travel, uh, basically their categories. It's like, did they think science had invented a cool mystical shit or that religion was right about something and there was an artifact? And it, it definitely sticks to that category of MacGuffin. Yes. And... Uh, it, it's, it's just a lot of Nazis getting killed for trying to do Nazi shit. Yep. Oh, the Nazis are trying to be Nazis, gotta stop them being Nazis. Yeah. Um, I like the MacGuffin they're going for overall. I thought it was a very cool MacGuffin. I think it is a sensible MacGuffin, and I think it led to an interesting final, final act. Yep. Um... Like, we sort of, you could tell, like, as soon as the MacGuffin is introduced, you you can guess exactly what, like, who's after that MacGuffin and what they want to do with it, but seeing how it plays out at the end was kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, once they sort of primarily, primarily explained what its primary purpose was yeah. thought to be. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, no, I, I, I can tell what a Nazi is going to try and do with that, but yep. like... It took some unexpected things at the end when when it all you know started going down. It managed to kill off Shia LaBeouf off camera. It that it did. Um, ah, <laughs> uh, there was a section at the start involving young Harrison Ford. Yes, and young Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, and 
it's one of the better jobs I've seen of CGI de-aging an actor. Yeah, I think the the face replacement was great for for like both of the people that yeah. I recognised as as being de-aged to the point where I recognised who both of them were. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the only thing that was ever so slightly uncanny was the fact that 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 young Harrison Ford's hair doesn't move a lot. Yeah, but. but- Fuck it. It's yeah, like clearly it was helped a bit by the fact that that sequence is at night, but like yeah. it's one of the more believable, like natural looking yeah. ones I've seen. I think it was the most believable yeah. of in fact all all of the special effects I enjoyed. Yeah. Even when there was like a few that were had maybe a frame or two <laughs> that were just like not perfectly yeah. comped and I was like I don't care. It yeah. was like 2 seconds and it, I paid almost nothing for this ticket. Yeah. It, it it is a it is admittedly a lengthy film and maybe a lengthier film than it needs to be, but its pacing isn't bad. Yeah. Like it didn't feel I've ov- seen far worse films. It didn't feel overly long. Yeah. Um it it keeps itself moving at a good brisk pace. Um I I, I again lo- lots of things positive to say about it. Yeah. I thought that they did a really good job with the set design and the costume Ooh. design and the Making this believably and accurately look like it is set in the time period it is set in. Not massively oversaturating it yeah. and making it look like a, the, what people think yeah. about that era looks like. But even just like a lot of like material usage and things. Like yes. it's, it was very well done in terms of like making its setting work. Mm. Um, I don't go into this expecting anything world changing. It's kind of a cat and mouse chase. Some Nazis want to do some bad shit. Harrison Ford's like, ooh, we're gonna we're gonna get the MacGuffin and stop them. Don't go in expecting much more than that, but there is excuses for some fun chase scenes. There's some fun bits of dialogue. Yeah. It's not a bad time. Yeah. It's I'd say it's it's better than Crystal Skull, and I think it's better than Temple of Doom. I I I might agree with you there. It's definitely better than Crystal Skull. It might, it might be better than Temple of Doom, yeah. It's it is a fun it's a fun couple of hours if you've got nothing better to be doing. You could you could do worse than seeing it. Yeah, like you'll probably there's... see every everything happening before it happens. Oh yeah, but nothing. you'll probably enjoy the journey and yeah. the dead Nazis. Yeah, if if you watched the Tom Holland Uncharted and were like, this was a bit disappointing. Um, not nearly you know, enough dead Nazis. Yeah, not nearly enough dead Nazis here. You know, this is this is better. Yeah. Um. What about you? What you watched? Uh, uh, we watched another thing. What did we watch? We went and saw a wrestle. <gasps> we we went to Fist Club. Oh, Fist Club. Fist, fist, uh, fist, fist. Yes, yeah, so this is a wrestle, a queer wrestling event that took place in Bethnal Green Working, working Men's, men's Club. Club. Um, I like to think that the uh, the former owners of that Working Men's Club would be spinning in their graves, having seen what happened. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you want to do you want to describe Fist Club? It's burlesque cabaret. It's just the most ridiculous plots that you've ever wanted. Yeah. There were, there were a couple of points where I was like, we are not getting that many matches, but I am riveted by this fucking story. Yeah, we had like maybe four matches in like two and a half hours, and I couldn't have been happier with how right? it all planned out. <laughs> um, so like, here is the, g- the gist of the night. Uh, the opening act, um, perfect, absolutely love them. Um, was a tag team, um, uh, oh. Big Dick Energy. Yeah, Big Dick Energy, that was it. Who, their whole gimmick is, we are two heterosexual cisgender men. We're two cishet men 
Look at us with our straight pride flag that we drew. Yeah, we 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 drew a grotesque straight straight pride flag. We got there and they were like, "We hear one of you is an artist. Please draw us a new it's, flag." It's horrendous. Um, I'm disgusted by what we did. I am it was beautiful. horrified by it, but apparently people loved how awful it was. So <laughs> um, for them. But yes, it was the the two of them were like, "Hey, we heard it's Pride Month." Fuck all you gays having your gay pride month. Straight pride. And then all the crowds start chanting like, fuck straight pride. Fuck straight pride. We should point out they are drag kings. Yeah, they are drag kings. (laughs) Like, this is all in good, this is all in fun taste. Oh, yeah. But like... The the vibes were immaculate. Oh yeah. Like, the moment that like you you get a chant of fuck straight pride going. Yep. Uh you got you got them on stage like to to big up how villainous they are, they're talking about like, oh we heard that sis is a slur now. Oh you can't call us sis anymore. Like they knew what they were doing. Oh yeah. Um against a beautiful, wonderful tag team that involved the most, the most rainbow bear I've ever seen. Yeah, um, absolutely wonderful. Sassy bear, sassy bear, sassy bear is great. Yeah. Um, there was a plot line involving uh, a formerly very, f- a very dramatic, over the top wrestler who had been sort of made to be very sensible and very calm in his professional. suit and professional, professional. professional. He was having his uh, his his performance review to see if he could be professional now. Mm-hmm, could mm-hmm. be professional? Mm-hmm. Um, and having all his notes taken by our villainous person whose whole job was make people professional. Mm-hmm. Fucking hate her. Fuck Brenda. Yeah, fuck, fuck the Brenda agenda. Fuck Brenda. Fuck the Brenda agenda. Um, which ended with the the ghost of well, what's the rest of Michaels. name? The ghost of Shawn Michaels possessing <laughs> this man and getting him to remove his very well done suit to become a fabulous that that outfit that the, was an amazing outfit because we that, had chanted chaps 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 several yeah, times throughout the night the fact that none <laughs> of that outfit showed through his suit including the collar yes was oh, mm, perfect beautiful. Work. Um, what else, what else did we have during the night? What are the... Uh, we had, um, l- uh, live Live Love Love yep. versus, uh, Tina Turner. Oh, yeah, yeah, we did. Which, uh, was chaotic and silly. Yep, yep. Like, we... Life Coach versus Tina Turner. There was a lot of chance of butt stuff, butt, butt stuff. stuff, butt stuff, uh, you yeah. got You've got to join a union chant going. Yeah. Join her union. Ah, oh, that, that crowd... Mm. This be- beautiful crowd to be in. Yeah. Great energy. And and you know who else was there? <gasps> that Commander Sterling. That Commander Sterling was there. Yeah. Did, some, did some great work. Did some great work. Did yeah. some great crowd work. And the crowd went fucking wild. Yeah, they did. But oh. even so, this was, like I've had some good times at wrestling. <laughs> but like this was something special. I think it helped. That I mean, I might think slightly differently if it wasn't as close. To get to. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, like, the fact that, like, I think before even, like, the half the halfway mark, yeah. we were both sort of sitting there going, you know what, I might just come to this. Oh, yeah, no, we, 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 we were both in agreement, like, even if Steph's not here, like, well, I'd come back to this. <laughs> I'd come back to this. Um, yeah. <laughs> I want to see how this plot evolves. Yeah, definitely. I am invested in this event. It's yes. great. <laughs> um, one thing I really appreciated was how good of a job they did of, um, they had some moments of like wrestling coming down into the crowd, but they're very good at crowd management of getting people moved around in order to like safely have that happen. Yeah. Um, there was some absolutely stunning quality. A person getting their head smacked against a wooden countertop against of the, the actual bar. bar. Yes, and like being like two feet away from that and watching it, I was like, Th- "That's fucking impeccable." Yeah. 
like the skill on show there is I, I cannot fault it. It was some quality work. Yeah. I also appreciated that they had uh, the um, uh, the ring babes who were just holding up like uh, cheer, boo, and fist, fist, fist. Fist, fist, fist. And yes. Because <laughs> for, for, for those of us who did not know like all of the current ongoing plots. Yeah. If you don't know who a character is already and whether they're a, a hero or a villain, just look to the cheer or boo cards. Yeah. They'll give you a hint. Yeah. I appreciated that um, as everyone was announced... It, their names came up on the screen. Yes. So, like, even if you hadn't quite heard it over all the cheering or the booing or whatever yeah. else, you was like, okay, I know who I'm seeing. Yeah. They introduced their accessibility person for the event who was, like, very visually accessibility memorable. Accessibility warrior. Yeah. He was like, hey, here they are. They're very visually memorable. They're here if you need anything. Yeah. And they were running it's, around getting chairs for yeah. people. It's, and stuff. it's a lovely little event, that. Yeah. I would definitely go back. Yes. Um, yeah. Have I watched anything else this week? That's a question. I don't know, have you? I don't know. I'm having a look. Uh, is there anything in the watch list? Ah, uh, watched a couple more episodes of One Piece. Ah, how is One Piece I'm going? I'm enjoying it. Um, Any more fruit been eaten? Uh, no one else has eaten a special fruit. Well, we've met other people who have eaten them, but they haven't eaten them like on screen. There was someone who's uh, ate a fruit that means that like if part of their body is cut off, it just sort of detaches and they can just put it back on so they can't be killed by being, like, sliced. Uh, and that, that's a, that was a power they have. Okay. Um, I'm still in the phase of, like, meeting the cast and, like, they're having fights with, like, the first, like, big antagonist and, like, pirate crew. It's fun! It's, it's, it's... Considering the age of this anime, like, the fight scenes hold up well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's yet to feel too bloated in its pacing, or too, like... It doesn't feel nearly as... You haven't had three episodes of people <sighs> screaming at each other. It, no, it doesn't feel nearly as dated as something like Naruto. Like, Naruto's earliest episodes are very, like, here's some fart jokes, here's Naruto turning into a naked girl, he's just a kid, oh, wacky. Like, there's none of that. There's none of that going on so far. It's been relatively, here is a story, let's get on with it. Mm. And I don't know how well that can continue given this thing's a thousand fucking episodes long, but it's felt, it's felt very well-paced. It's felt kind of fun. Mm. Um, nothing amazing or world-shattering to say about it other than I'm slowly chipping away at it here and there, and it's happening. Mm. Have you skipped many out? Because I know you said um, you were using a, a watch so list. Currently, I haven't had to skip any. Okay. Um, I'm maybe like nine or ten episodes in, and I think the first place that it recommends a skip is like episode 36. Okay, so you've got a ways um, to go, yeah. I've got a ways to go before the first, like, little jump to do, but um, it seems like there's... there's it's going to be a while before I hit the, the, the filler and it should be easy to dodge around. Uh, what about you? You watched anything else this week? I watched uh, a video called The Making of the uh, Day of the Tentacle. Ooh. Uh, the 30th anniversary do documentary on the on a retro tip channel on YouTube. Mm -hmm. It's two hours and 15 minutes long, so it's slightly shorter than Dial of Destiny. And <laughs> it just talks about... And some of the behind the scenes of like the people who made it and how it was made and the limitations of the hardware at the time and sort of what it was built on with regards to the sort of other games around it um, and the other games before it using like the scum engine and, and so forth. Hmm. And um, some of the stuff about like the FMV was fascinating, like the full motion animation bits. Like there was a limitation where you couldn't have in an animation 
more than 25% of the pixels change from the previous frame. Mm. So you had to be very careful about what was moving and, and how much of it was moving. And if someone came in with a great idea about, um, for instance, like someone had this amazing idea about the sludge-o-matic just like doing like lots of bending and squelching and, and, and stretching and bubbling and, and things going on inside it. And they were like, yeah, we can't do that. We're just going to take the little fizzy bubbles from the from the top there. We're just going <laughs> to capture that out, and that that's going to be all that happens. Soz. Um, it was yeah, pretty pretty fascinating stuff, and and they did an amazing amazing job putting that much together and finding a bunch of people to uh, to chat about it hmm. uh, from from the old old crew and about like how exciting it was. Slightly weird moment where they were talking about the making of the uh, intro video. I don't. Have you played Day of the Tentacle? Yeah. So you know the the scene from the beginning, the whole uh, they got to go back to the mansion with the the hamster showing up and then doing the little nighttime drive through the countryside, um, and it's just like dark night, and then like the car and the headlights all in. Most of it's in silhouette. Mm. At one point, they bump into a cow. Apparently, that was like someone just busy for a couple of months on their own and <laughs> just just staying over there, just live living at the the studio for a while. Not because anyone told them to. Not because they were in any kind of crunch. It's just like I'm just really into the thing. I'm loving the fact that I was just given some direction. And that's about it. And I was mm. given the limitations. And that was about it. And I was just really enjoying doing an art thing. It's like, yeah, nice. I mean, I hope that you were properly paid mm. and so forth. But I'm glad it was no one was forcing you to do any of that shit. And hopefully no one would have expected you to if you weren't doing that already. But yeah, they, uh, that was yeah. the thing I watched. What about you? you watch anything else? Uh, I think that's about it for me. Well then, <gasps> time for this. Hey, Laura, guess what? <gasps> what? We got a new sponsor. <gasps> Tell us about our new sponsor. Well, do you watch films? I do watch films. TV series? Yeah, I watch media. Do you watch, like, whole cinematic universes? Yeah, I watch stuff. Mm, but then do you run out of the good stuff that you are enjoying to uh, watch? On occasion, I'm like, oh, I've got nothing else to watch. I've watched all the stuff we've meaning to watch. Yeah. All the, all the backlog. All the backlog. Yeah, well, well we can do something about that. <gasps> How? Check out futurefilms.lol.net. Oh, tell me more. If you got nothing to watch on your watch list, they will just suck films from the future over to you, and then you can watch those. You can just watch unreleased as of yet media. Yeah, not yet even exist. Not even film. Not even in pre-production. Oh, that's that's fantastic. I'm gonna have so much stuff to watch. You're gonna have so much stuff to watch. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and until such time as as. That's also been used up. Oh, yeah, that stuff's going to come out and I'm going to have already seen it. Yeah. Oh, no, that's going to really exacerbate the problem. But that's a problem. That's a future you problem. That's a future me problem. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to worry about that's that. a future me problem and right. this is a future films. Not exactly. problem. Exactly. So that's futurefilms.lol.net. Enter the code Q and P S. Two six seven, and you can get an amount you don't have to think about until a future time. Ooh. off of your your subscription, which will get you all of the films forever till the end of time, which may or may not be less time than you would think. Surprisingly, when you I, try and watch everything, I 
just hope this doesn't create a paradox leading to the films never existing despite my having seen them. But you'll have seen them, so it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Inside the boardroom of Supremacy Software. Hi, hi. So, uh, that new merger we're trying to do. Right. Yeah. Um, some of the regulators want to see some of our documents, you know, to see whether we're being a monopoly, you know, right. whatever. But they have said we can redact some information if we need to. So, right. uh, we got, we got to go through these forms and work out, like, what do we not want seen when we submit Right. These? Okay. Well, uh, I'll, I'll grab a Sharpie. Yeah, uh, yeah. Right. Okay. So, um, I mean, we probably don't want them seeing any of that, right? Well, I mean, any, anything to do with the floggings. Got it. We got to crop that out. Yeah. Ow. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's just for us. Yeah, exactly. Um, forced overtime. Um, not now that I've crusted out with a sharpie. No, over overtime. Well, could we maybe like cross it out in such a way so it does the thing? It's like overtime, well paid. Yeah, that's... we just remove the is never. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. Um, well, uh, the the bit here where we talk about uh how much fun it is to watch our employees suffer. We'll just uh, cross that out. How much fun our employees have exactly there we go uh, exactly uh we could we could, we should probably cross out this bit where we say we explicitly bought this company we're trying to buy in order to become a monopoly so we can own the industry yeah and then just the three pages of ha 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 that yeah we should I probably yeah. probably cross that out yeah um, probably yeah okay you reckon you reckon that's probably submittable now? yeah it's fine i'll i'll photocopy it and send it off yeah yeah okay okay we'll get it we'll get it sent off um Wait, Sharpie does Sharpie does what when photocopied? Fuck, fuck, come get, get come back, come back. They're not coming back early. We might be in trouble. Can we buy our way out of this? I sure as fuck hope so. So what have you put in your ears? Popped a couple of new bits of music in my ears this week. Ooh. I can talk about those. Let me let me find them. Um, Nude bits. I listened to a song called "A Salesman's Guide to Non-Existence" by Thank You Scientist, uh, which is. It, I'm gonna just. I'm gonna say a lot of words here because this song is a lot of things at once. The lyrics are a little bit nihilistic and sort of like singing about romance not going super great with pop punk sort of vocals. Traditional hard rock guitars, but then occasionally scar horn breakdowns as a bit of an accent. Okay. And a bridge that almost sounds like something out of like a mid 2000s Hawthorne Heights album. Um, works together surprisingly well given the number of conflicting things I just described. Yeah. Um, it is impressive the number of different things they have happening and it all makes sense. Um, pretty impressed by that track. Um, nice. I also listened to a song called Wrecking Ball by The Orion Experience, uh-huh. uh, which is a sort of two-vocalist disco-rock combo. Excellent. Um, it is a track about, like, rebellion and, you know, violently pushing back if needed, but with this very upbeat energy um, and sort of love story undertone, it's very sort of, like, upbeat in tone going, we're gonna dance together and kiss and maybe fuck shit up to a sort of Disco with a little bit of rock B. It is an interesting, interesting mashup. Uh, and the other track I listened to was called Don't Bury Me, I'm Still Not Dead Yet by Riverboat Gamblers. Uh, 
It is a very sort of jump-along-with-it-kind-of-paced rock track with a very shoutable chorus. Um, I'm going to take a slight tangent to try and explain this song. Um, so you know the song I'm Not Okay by My Chemical Romance? Yes. I'm not talking about the song. You know the music video for that? Yes. Right. And the music video has a bunch of, like, if you've ever felt lonely, if you've ever felt bullied, if you've ever felt this, that. Mm-hmm. In, like, intercuts on screen. This song is those flashes of if you've ever felt blank. That is the tone of this track. It is a big list of, um, like, lots of experiences of lots of different marginalised groups you might be in society that society sort of wants rid of, Mm. uh, like disabled people, queer people, etc. And it's basically going, fuck you, I'm not going to go away anywhere. Don't bury me, I'm not dead yet. Like, I'm still here and living, despite, you know, you not being great about that. Um, That is the best way I can describe that track's vibe, is it just feels like the Have You Ever Felt sections from the the I'm Not Okay music video, Mm. but made into a track. Uh, It's as good and catchy. Yeah. Um, what about you? What did you listen to this week? Uh, we went to a wedding, so we listened to quite a lot of music, and I danced most of the day to it. Yeah. So, oh my gosh, let's see. We there was Bon Jovi, there was some uh there was some MCR, we got some na 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 and Black Parade, which was funny because the uh person who or the people who had to put that playlist together don't really know MCR but really like those tracks when mm. they were apparently suggested by someone weirdly, not me. Yeah. Um uh we had Angus McSix, uh the laser shooting dinosaur track which I think we talked <laughs> here about uh, a few months back. Uh, yeah, there was just hours and hours of rock and pop and ska, a lot of Dropkick Murphys, Dead Kennedys, punk stuff. And uh, yeah, it was good. We danced a lot. We 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 apparently danced so hard that the bride came to join us for like an hour or so, and apparently hips entirely locked up the following day from oh, dancing no. too hard. Um. But they're on honeymoon now, so hopefully they're having a lovely time. Um, yeah, um, we listened to just hours of music. I'm gonna say mostly rock. Yeah, had a had a lovely time. Yeah, congratulations to the newlyweds. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you listen to anything else, yeah, that's about it for me. Well then, <gasps> time for this. What ho, is your hair-coloured maiden? Uh, um, uh, hello? We come forth from the Far Realm. Yes, I see you coming through the portal. Um, how can, how can I help? We have been sent here on a great mission. Uh, tell me more, I suppose? We are told of a wicked king. A wicked king that rules over the land of Bluebird. Oh, I thought you were on about, I thought you were on about the mon- uh, British monarchy. Uh, land of Bluebird. Yes, a Bluebird. A noisy blue bird, we were informed by our oh, lord. Oh, God. God, you're on about Twitter. Yes, I think they did say Twitter, yes. Okay, um... Okay, we are you... here to slay the evil king. Oh, you're here to slay him, you say? Indeed. Well, look, I would point you towards his, um, his castle, but he keeps getting kicked out of his various castles for not paying the rent on them, so I don't know exactly which one he's at now. But... If you uh, if if you use this mystical tablet here ah. and uh, put put in a message that's something like I bet you're too scared to come and face me, he'll probably just tell you where he is. You can go go get him on your quest. Very well, uh, mysterious tablet, 
Falnave, king of the land of Bluebird, we shall smite you down, for your thoughts are small and puny, such as your muskills. Uh, oh, he has replied. He says his mum says he's not allowed to come fight you. Fear not, now that we have communicated with the knave, our wizard shall use a tracing spell such as to find him now as we are on familiar terms. Good luck on your quest. Away. Right, 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 right. Welcome, come in, come in. Yes, yes. So, I've been looking at some of the other films coming out at the moment and right. what's, what's been successful. Yes. And, you know, the Lego, the Lego movie happened. Mm, it was two very now. successful. Two. There's been two of them. And, and the Batman, I suppose. Indeed, and then there's the, ba- the Barbie movie coming out soon, oh, yes. which is happening soon. I, I, I went, yes. what, what, what toy brands do we have in our arsenal that we could turn into a fourth wall breaking or somehow, you know, existential movie franchise that's a sort of a, a surprising turn for the you know compared to the source material well we've got very few rights left i believe we still have the board game othello well i I've i been think w- that's already some sort of play possibly I've, I've been working on one though i i've been digging through we do have the rights to furby right so i've been i've been working on a movie i've been working on a movie script i i i want i want to i want to oh yes it's gone yes. so my my thought is is if we what if the furbies are an alien species that are masquerading as toys. Right. Because they wish to come to Earth and, and communicate with Earth, but they don't know the language here, so they come down in the form of toys to learn how to speak English in order to be able to communicate with our world leaders. Ah, ah, Mela Coco and such. Well, exactly, they start like that and eventually do full sentences and go, actually, please take me to your leader, I am a member of an alien species, I, I need your help. Or, ah, uh, hungry. Ah, hungry. You know, uh, you know. I, I feel like it'd be a good comedic moment where, you know, during the big dramatic speech at the end where they're like, ah, yes, I, I am capable of speech now and we should speak to your world leader. Uh, you know, maybe they forget a word and have to go, ah, 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 me hungry. You know, although they're still getting the hang of the human speech, you see. Or maybe someone, like, just uh, presses a hand against the middle of their forehead and they fall asleep. Something like that. Yes. But uh, my, my thought was, I was like, what well, can we make a dramatic sort of turn of, uh, turn of the film from this? I, right, I, right, right. My thought was, what if the Furbies are secretly, you know, judging humanity on how well they treat the, you know, the children and the parents treat the Furbies. And right. it's a secret test to be like, humanity, do you get to keep going? Depends how nice were you to your Furbies. Are you capable of compassion or will you, you know... Take the batteries out and shove them in a cupboard. Or cut its eyelids off and... and or, exactly. Or remove all of its fur. Exactly. And I think there's a perfect opportunity for what is pitched as a children's movie to maybe, you know, have a, have a surprise like, no, you failed the test. You were, you, were, you were not good to these Furbies. Off we go, taking our, you know, wonderful things we could have taught you away with mm, us. Mm, Goodbye. Mm. And then the long Furby eats them. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Do you know what I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? Brochure Justice Warriors. Brochure Justice Warriors? Yeah. We're at Larry. We're at Larry. How are you doing? Oh, naked, mate, naked, and uh, not a little sunburn. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, did the British thing, you know, saw the sun, <laughs> went out in it for about an hour underestimated how quickly it was going to get yeah underestimated how pasty I am and, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. how little I usually see the sun and have uh, maybe to become a bit of a frazzle Just or a, a pork scratching what can yeah. I say anyway I'm covered in aloe how are you doing mate oh I'm alright I'm alright I'm just watching the world continue to happen 
Uh, it sure is happening. It sure is happening. Yeah. Uh, oh, I've been watching, watching a. Uh, <laughs> feels like we've heard this one before. Reiteration of uh, you remember, you remember like last year, maybe the year before when uh, the BBC uh, were like, anyone who's a member of the BBC cannot attend a Pride event because mm-hmm. you know if it's a protest, that's political and you can't be there. Yeah, uh, I thought they just made that like a standard rule, or is it just floated up again because it's Pride? Yeah, well, it's, well I don't like know. London if, Pride. Yeah, again, yeah, I don't know if it's just a reiteration or you know or what the situation is. But they've, they've, you know, made the effort again to tell people, hey, if you work for the BBC, uh, you cannot go to a Pride event that is a protest. You can go to a Pride event if it's a, a Pride party, where there's going to be no protest whatsoever, it's just having a nice party. But the second it's protesty, that's political and you can't be there. So what they mean is you're not allowed to go to any, any Pride, really. Well, I mean... Any pride you would want to go to right, is yeah. the thing. Because, like, you know, the BBC, whatever, you know, fuck them. But, yeah. you know, all the more reason to remind people a good pride should be a protest. Absolutely. If, if you've got, yeah. you know, if you've got a company as, uh, oh, we're going to sit on the fence, chicken shit is the BBC. Yeah. You want your pride to be an event that, you know, they would ban their people from going to because of impartiality. Oh, because yeah. fuck being impartial on matters of, you know, LGBT identity and pride. Hey, you know, especially at a time where, uh, especially trans rights, but, uh, you know, queer rights in general are uh, seemingly on a bit of a fucking precipice again for some fucking reason. Yeah, the the it's fucking terrifying it's fucking yeah. terrifying how close we got to uh, and so many people don't know this happened how close we got to a new section 28 but about trans people uh, almost got voted in in the UK and it was literally a fucking handful of votes that stopped it yeah. um, it's f- fucking terrifying how close this shit is t- yeah. again and, it, and it's, it's fairly typical of the Tories that they you know have been Pushing this shit and pushing this shit, and every and time it is just pushing just it during a, Pride Month. Just just a few people holding it back, and and you know, I, I hope that there continues to be enough people to keep that being the case. But you know, the way the Tories have tried to sn- sneak it in, in in various other rules. You know, we've had Rishi Sunak joking about trans rights. We've had all sorts of other things. Um, yeah. We've recently had the fucking V&A Museum pull all of the trans material out of a uh, uh, LGBT uh, youth uh, exhibition that yeah. they were doing. You know, it's uh, it's very deeply concerning times, and uh, there is there isn't really any time to sit on the fucking fence. Well, exactly. Like, I always come back to this with the BBC. The BBC has po- apologised in hindsight for not being critical of Section 28 and reporting on it at the time or not talking about it when it was going on. Yeah. You, it, trying to be impartial on a matter of a group's, you know, basic, you know, uh, human rights, yeah. you are always going to, in hindsight, be on the wrong side of history for going, oh, we're not going to take sides on matters of whether you should have rights. Not that- picking a side always favours the uh, the oppressor. Exactly, exactly. Ugh. Where's the young mate? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good hug, mate. Good hug. Good hug. Right, I think go and have a little nap. Oh, sounds great. Sounds good. Nice, nice. So, Laura. Yes. Tell us, tell us, tell us, where can we find you on the internet? 
you can find me at Laura Gay Buzz pretty much everywhere. That's the main place to find me. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, TikTok, Patreon. That's the one that pays the bills. Mastodon, Blue Sky, all of the places. Just find me at Laura K. Buzz. Stuff I've got coming up. I'm doing a lot of stuff I can't talk about for a while, but I can talk about the fact that October 19th, uh, Stories of Autistic Joy comes out. Did you enjoy Gender Euphoria? This is very similar, but autism-focused. Go go check that out in October. What about you? Me? I've got a link tree. Linkter.ee slash Janiac. J-A-N-E-I-A-C. Uh, but my most important one is Patreon.com slash Radio. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help me justify a 76-hour work week. You can help keep these episodes edited and so forth. And you can even get early access if you join the high enough tier. But uh, yeah, all the stuff I get, I get goes up over there. Um, I do music, t-shirts, all sorts of things. Sometimes I write things. I'm hoping to write some more things soon. In fact, I've got something written. I just need to edit it and put some photographs with it. And then there will be an article. <laughs> Imagine such a thing. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much everything, Laura. <gasps> will you sing us out, please, darling? Until next time, be a stranger.